The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome, Disability Law Show. We are back at it. Uh, John Scholes, Savannah Tamarkin, tons of stuff to get through today. You want to send an email, by the way, we are going to get through the inbox. There's a lot of them in there, so uh, have your say. Ask your questions. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number, by the way, anyway, toll-free that you want to call Savannah, the crew, anytime. Leave a message, talk in person, something a little more of a private nature, one 855 821-5900, and you can always go to disabilityrights.ca. Lots of stuff to get through today, pal, including uh, reading between the lines what insurers mean when they say these three things to you. That's This is cool. We're going to get to that in just a bit, but you got a couple issues to take care of. First, with the uh, the week that was, what's uh, what's happening, pal? Well, John, again, it's been a busy week, and uh, you know one of the reasons it's so busy uh, is because, obviously, COVID-19 is still around. The pandemic is around taking a huge toll on the Canadian population, psychologically, physically as well. Everybody's exhausted. And, you know, I mean, we are disability and employment lawyers, and, uh, you know, we help people. Uh, we, we help the little guy, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Specifically, my team deals with insurance companies day in and day out. We are disability lawyers across Ontario, across British Columbia. Uh, that's where we practice. And let me tell you about this one individual who contacted me I actually I've been in touch with this gentleman for for a few months now and this is what happens John you know people contact me because they hear the show they see the TV show initially I think they're a bit hesitant the emails are very formal when they email me right. Mr. Tumarkin you know I have this question and I just I use I'm on a first name basis with everyone even with the doctors that I deal with uh, you know everybody gets relaxed I'm here to give you the information you need to understand your rights uh, if you have long-term disability if you've been denied long-term disability if you or a loved one has been injured through no fault of your own and you want to understand well, how do I get compensated? What does the law allow me to, to receive by way of compensation? Uh, so, so let's start off with this gentleman here. His name is David. And he contacted me because you know, he has cerebral palsy. And uh, he, uh, we've been in touch because he's had some issues with his insurance company. And something happened to him this past week, which actually happens quite often to people who are on long-term disability. So this gentleman has uh, cerebral palsy. He has also osteoarthritis. He's in a pretty uh, bad uh, condition. He's 57 years old. His uh, monthly LTD amount is around uh, just over $2,700. And uh, his insurance company has recently approached him and said, listen, uh, you know, we are willing to pay you X amount of dollars to settle your claim. And of course, he asked me, what does that mean? Should I do it? Should I not? So this is called a lump sum settlement. This is when they want to lump you out. The insurance company has an incentive here. They don't want to pay you until age 65. You are still young. You have years to go. And they want to pay you some kind of a total amount uh, that will give you some money into the future. So there is some benefit to you because instead of waiting every month to get this this money, uh, they're giving you a big chunk of change right now, which is not taxable. Right. And uh, But in exchange, you got to sign a piece of paper that says you have no more claim as against that insurance company. I, I have yet to see one of these kinds of cases where I... I told an individual it's worthwhile for you to accept that kind of a lump sum offer and the reason is this let me give you the scenario here again without disclosing too much private information 
So, you know, he's getting over $2,700 a month. He's 57 years old. If you extrapolate that, given the condition he has, given what his doctors have said, if he got paid until age 65, you are looking at around $260,000, $270,000 that he would you know, ultimately be getting from now until gotcha. age 65. The insurance company is offering him, uh, let's say, just over $50,000. So they're oh. offering a fifth of what he otherwise would be getting if he said no to them. So, you know, and again, every case is different. I'm not telling everyone that's being offered a lump sum amount that you should reject it. You know, there are pros and cons to every scenario and everybody has a different circumstance, especially now with COVID-19, people are maybe hemorrhaging money. Maybe your spouse is not working and you really, really need this money that you're supposed to get for the next few years. But understand this, the insurance company does not have you in mind when they are making this offer, meaning they don't have your best interest. They have their best interest. Mm -hmm. I mean, when the, with this insurance company here, if they were to give David that you know, 50000 plus offer and he accepted it, they'd be saving a ton of money, right? Almost a quarter million dollars they'd be wow. saving in the long run. Now extrapolate that to 10 claimants to a hundred claimants, to a thousand claimants. What about somebody who is in David's situation but who is 35 years old? Sure. So, so what do you do in that situation? Well, it's very simple. You contact me because then I can go through the analysis. And guess what? You know, the beauty here is that I'm not going to charge you a cent. The lawyers you're going to speak with, if it's not me, if I'm not available, in, on my team, you're not going to pay a cent to get this information. But then you'll have this information, you'll be armed, you'll know what to tell the insurance company. And incidentally, we're not forcing you to do anything, we're just giving you the information you need. So if you're listening right now, and maybe you're not in that, in that situation, but maybe you know someone who is dealing with their long-term disability insurance and they have questions, please put them in touch with us. or or John, remember, mydisabilityquestions.com, that website we have. Mydisabilityquestions.com, we put that website together years ago. It's been used thousands of times. You can post your question and get answers for free on that website. So in this case, I told uh, David, I said, it's not worthwhile for you to accept it, in my view. If you want to accept it, go ahead. I don't think you should. Uh, and uh, but, but here's what happens. Let's say that you don't accept it. Then what happens? Well, the insurance company... You know, they haven't come back and said, well, if you don't accept it, we're going to cut you off. Sometimes they say it, by the way, and that's completely inappropriate. I think it's a pressure tactic. It's not right. And we can fight that. But in a case like David's, I suspect that given his condition, they'll continue to pay him going forward. And if at some point, at some point, for whatever reason, they cut him off or tell him his benefits will end unilaterally, guess what? As long as his doctors confirm that he continues to be disabled from working in any occupation for which he's suited for, we can take action against the insurance company if they dare cut him off. And this is the message. Don't think you have no rights. Insurance companies hate it, hate, absolutely despise the fact that people are getting educated about their rights. Because for them, ignorance is power. So if you understand your rights as against insurance companies, it just means that they're going to take advantage of you much, much less. On the other hand, if you're not educated by your rights or if you think that the insurance company, in fact, has your best interests at heart, well, then you are playing their game and they're going to keep a lot more of your money and put it in their pockets, not yours. 
Take a uh, short break. You get right back into it. Emails, uh, we're going to get to those in a few minutes as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca. By the way, if you want to send something along, a question uh, for another time, as, uh, well, uh, Savannah just mentioned, mydisabilityquestions.com. Absolutely free and easy to use. You can check that out. And the phone number, always 1-855-821-5900. Disability Law Show continues. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome, Disability Law Show. We're right back at it. Reaching out to Savan, no problem, or James, or Tamar, member of the team, do so toll free, 1 855 821 5900. The email address we like to use is help at disabilityrights.ca and questions and answers of any nature. Uh, you want to bring them on, they will be answered in depth. There's also a drop down menu. You can search for your uh, questions, see if it's been answered before. That is mydisabilityquestions.com. You can, uh, you can use that. Coming up here in just a few minutes, reading between the lines, what insurers mean when they say these three things to you. So stick around for that. But you had another issue or at least another uh, another uh, thing you wanted to talk about, right, Samantha? I did, John. I did. So, yep. you know, most people out there don't have that much experience with, with uh, you know, the law as it comes to making legal claims, especially with an insurance company. Even if you're getting long-term disability, you know, you may think your relationship is great with your insurance company, your adjuster is fantastic, they're supporting you, or maybe they're so-so, but whatever, you're still getting paid. But what happens if that ends? What happens if they deny your claim? What happens if they cut you off or tell you your benefits will get cut off and you still can't work? Well, up until now, John, we've really focused on settlements and, and how easy it is, in my mind at least, in my experience, to really go after insurance companies and force them to pay what they in fact owe you. You know, people think insurance companies are omnipotent. They're not. They're not. The one thing they hate more than paying you what you're owed is paying their lawyers to fight you when you're telling them you want what's yours. Okay? And I can tell you that as a fact because I used to work for insurance companies many, many years ago. So what happens if we start a legal claim? Generally speaking, when we start a legal claim, the insurance company appoints a lawyer, either somebody who works for them in-house, employed by the insurance company, it's called an in-house lawyer, or they appoint a lawyer like myself to defend that claim. That lawyer's job is to try and resolve that claim for as little money as possible for the insurance company. That's what their masters want them to do. And that means both charging them uh, the least amount of legal fees uh, that they can and also having the insurance company ultimately pay as little, if nothing at all. Now, through the process, when we start that legal claim, the insurance company has to give us their file. We actually get to see the guts of their decision-making process. And, and there is another interesting thing that happens here, and people will, uh, you know, John, uh, sort of reflect back on legal shows that they see sometimes, you know, American TV that we all watch. And, you know, people are aware of this word deposition, when, when one lawyer gets to ask a representative of the other side questions. And one of the things that we love most at our firm when we get a chance to do it is to depose or to discover. It's called a discovery in, in Canadian legal linguistics here. Uh, right. Discovery of, uh, of, of the adjuster, the adjuster who denied the claim. And man, John, these adjusters, I sometimes I feel sorry for them because, you know, when they get hired for that job and, and they go through their day and, you know, they approve some claims and then deny some other claims, 
they don't necessarily know when they first get hired that they may end up in front of one of my lawyers or myself having to answer some really difficult questions as to why you know they 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 cut my client off or denied my client's claim and when I have that adjuster in front of me, and remember that adjuster is not a lawyer, it's somebody who basically just you know goes to work nine to five, that's usually yeah. the kind of uh, position they have, and they have to answer difficult questions for me. I mean, it's some of the answers we get. So let me tell you about something that happened last week. Again, I don't want to divulge too much information because it's still an ongoing case, but one of my lawyers emailed me saying, I just finished the discovery. Let me read you the email he actually sent me. This is my lawyer here, one of my team lawyers. He says, I can't believe that insurers ever let their poor adjusters get examined, he says. I just did one this morning, and I've never felt worse afterwards. This is my lawyer telling me he felt worse about examining this adjuster, but, but guess why? Here's what he says. The adjuster was holding back tears and could barely speak by the end. He says wow. it got awful. And, and then he goes on and gives him some specifics. This individual that we represent in that case has MS, multiple sclerosis, okay? Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, this adjuster that he was examining uh, had cut her off, uh, cut off her claim. And, uh, you know, my lawyer asked this adjuster under oath with the insurance lawyer present beside her. He said, what is your understanding of what MS is? And the adjuster says that she thinks that it's some kind of a chronic disease that affects the body. And then he asked her, well, do you know anything else about a mess? <laughs> and this, this adjuster says, no, I don't think so. I mean, just, just you know, this is, this is radioactive for an insurance company. They're putting these adjusters who have sometimes zero medical knowledge and expertise, they have to make decisions, John, about these people's disability claims when they have no idea what they're doing. You know, they may get some training, and they do get some training, but when they're in front of us, they got to justify why they took the position they did on each individual claim where they cut off or denied our client's claims. And in some instances, and I think this is going to be one of those cases, when we see that the insurance company has really acted in such a reckless manner, and when I say insurance company, I mean this adjuster. This adjuster did not do her job. Well, guess what? That exposes the insurance company not only to the full claim that we are making for our client, but to punitive damages. Punitive damages. We want the insurance company penalized for this kind of conduct. In other words, if the insurance company comes back here and says, we made a mistake, this person should really be on disability, we'll reinstate her, that's not over. We're going to tell our client to continue allowing us to hammer the insurance company to pay punitive damages, punishment, to punish the insurance company. We want them to pay more to our client for having done what they have done. So, and again, it's not in every case. In some cases, insurance companies do the right thing. But in many cases, when we discover these adjusters, we find out that there are gaping holes, huge craters of knowledge that they are missing. Yeah. And, and, and those craters of knowledge are critical because those are the individuals who cut off or denied our clients their disability, right? The disability payments that they're owed. So again, uh, don't be afraid to stand up for your rights or at the very least talk to us. Let us inform you of your rights for free and then you can make a decision how you want to proceed with your claim. Make that call, write it down, keep it, and uh, we're going to get right back at it. That number, one 821 5900 disabilityrights.ca. And for the next little while, for information about the current situation, of course, you can go to covidrights.ca. We'll get right back at it. More of the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, this is the Disability Law Show. Good to have you with us. You want to reach out anytime, we'll get to an email. If you want to send one, it is help at disabilityrights.ca. As mentioned, you can always go to mydisabilityquestions.com. Leave your questions there, and they will get answered uh, quickly, swiftly, and in depth. So, again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, reading between the lines, what insurers mean when they say these three things to you? As promised, let's get right to this. Number one is this. We want you to see one of our doctors for an assessment, for an assessment. That's right. So, so John, for people who have been listening to the show for a while, they understand that you know when I talk about reading between the lines, what I mean is that the insurance company legally has an obligation to look out for your best interest, but really practically they are looking for the bottom for for their their interest is their bottom line, and and so you know they they are they are sort of walking a very tight rope here because. They understand they have legal obligations to you, but they also want to make sure that they make as much money as possible by not paying you what you're owed. Sure. And so they'll often say things to you, and and you know, for many people out there, their spidey sense sort of gets triggered here, and and they get something is off, and and this is what we're trying to deal with here is how do you interpret some of the things that they tell you, and and you know, we're going to talk about these three things, but yeah. there are many many other things insurance companies and adjusters tell you. Uh, about your claim, uh, and the reality is that it's not exactly, you know, what they're telling you is not exactly what the truth is. Let's put it that way. It's like the matrix phenomena, right? It, this is not the real world. So we want you to see one of our doctors for an assessment. Some people have contacted me and said, well, my adjuster said they want me to see one of their doctors for an assessment. And that individual, in fact, many people who have said that to me, assumed that they've been told to go see that insurance doctor, not for the purposes of you know, figuring out if the insurance company can cut them off, but because maybe the insurance doctor can help with the diagnosis and provide certain treatment recommendations that will help the individual. In other words, people assume that those doctors that the insurance company are sending them to have their best interests at heart, the the individual's best interests, right? Like, let, let, you know, let us get another doctor on your team to see if we can somehow help your situation. Sounds well, legit, right? Yeah, it sounds legit, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, it would. If I was not in this business, I would think that's legit. Yeah, that's the nice. reality is that uh, generally the insurance company will want you to see one of their doctors because they want to look for a reason to cut you off. That's just the reality. Sure. Okay. Now there are going to be adjusters out there and doctors out there who are going to take issue with what I'm saying. Let, let, let me let me let, let me tell them something about this. I I again I used to work for insurance companies. I never had one case where I was defending an insurance company where I was asked to set up an assessment for a claimant, where the insurance adjuster who gave me that instruction did that for the benefit of the individual. It was always to try and figure out sure. if the doctor we are sending you to will give us an opinion that's favorable to us, the insurance company, right. and will allow us to then, uh, relying on that opinion, say, oh, you're not that disabled, or you should be ready now to go back to work. So read between the lines. If the insurance company says to you, we want you to see one of our doctors for an assessment, your guard has to go up. You have to let your doctors know this is what's happening. You need to get the name and qualifications of that doctor from the insurance adjuster. After you do the assessment, you need to get a copy of the report. And and if it says something that contradicts what your own doctors are saying, get your doctors to respond. 
Okay, your doctors have a lot more weight from a legal standpoint than that insurance assessor because your doctors have been treating you for a while. It's not like they've been seeing you only just one time. You know, they have been they have been there with you uh, sometimes from the beginning. So again, read between the lines. The insurance company doesn't want you to see one of their doctors to help you. It's to help them. Okay. A quick question though: Do you, if, when it comes to the assessment, do, can you just say no, I'm not doing it, or do you have no. to go? You know, you have to go. Okay, you have yeah. to go. Now, you can't, yeah. listen, if they want you to see five different psychiatrists, you can't. You don't <laughs> have to go to five different assessments. Each person does the exact yeah, same yeah. thing. You know, the insurance company can't go shopping for doctor's opinions. The insurance company is allowed, though, if you have a psychiatric disability, send you to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. If, if you have, uh, you know, an orthopedic issue, they can send you to, a, to an orthopedic surgeon. Sometimes, mm-hmm. by the way, they, w- they won't even send you to one of their doctors. They'll have a doctor um, or, or some other practitioner a non-MD, non-doctor, review your file and give them an opinion. My point here is that insurance companies reach out to these other practitioners, in other words, not your doctors, but some other doctor, because they expect to get an opinion that is favorable to them. And an opinion that's favorable to them is one that would likely contradict what your doctors are saying. Because then the insurance company can say, our doctor so-and-so thinks that you are ready to go back to work doesn't matter that your doctor say that you're not ready. Our doctor, having seen you for an hour doing this assessment and reviewing your file, thinks you are ready. So therefore, we are going to start implementing a return to work program. Baloney. Nonsense. You don't have to do it if your doctors are saying, you know, are supporting you and saying that you're not uh, uh, ready to go back to work. It just seems silly to me that if it ever came to, you know, a battle between the two with their assessment doctor for an hour, like you said, the one that's only seen a paper file and like and your doctor who's been treating you for all these years, it's like you're gonna trust the guy that's taken the test drive around the block or the guy who's owned the car for fifteen years, who's who are you gonna rely on? Like it just yeah. it seems it seems pointless that they would even do that because if it does in the in the odd case that it ends up in court, who are they gonna believe? Like, who are they going to believe? The doctors, your team of doctors who have physically had contact with you for five, ten years, two years, or some doctor goes, what's this guy's name here? Uh, yeah, that doesn't look <laughs> right. I mean, come on. John, listen, it seems pointless to you because you understand the game. But if you don't understand the game, yeah. you know, then you're going to get taken advantage of. That's the reality. Yeah. Most people get taken advantage of by insurance companies. You know, I, you know, people out there may roll their eyes at me. They say, oh, you're one of those lawyers. No, I'm not one of those lawyers who simply say, you know, go and start some kind of a claim against every insurance company because sometimes insurance companies are right. I've defended cases. I've defended insurance companies in, in situations where insurers were correct. They're not always wrong. But I also know that insurance companies, you know, are selling you a product. They're selling you that peace of mind. And if not you, then your employer, right? Because sometimes people have long-term disability through their work benefits. They're taking in premiums. And then when it's time for you to call up on the insurance company to, to give you that safety net because you're disabled for whatever reason, you know, they start playing games with you. So I, you're right. What's the point? Well, the point is that most people will play that game. And insurance companies will victimize them and not pay them what they're owed. And this is what we're here to stop. Reading between the lines, what insurers mean when they say these three things. We'll get to the last two coming up here after a short break. Uh, You want to reach out anytime, toll free, 1-855-821-5900. And the email address we will be using shortly as well, help at disabilityrights.ca. It's a disability law show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show continues. Global News Radio to reach out to Savan and the crew. It's one 821 5900 Use that number anytime. Reach out. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. You can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. And ask your questions there. Okay, here we go. Reading between the lines. What ensures me when they say these three things? Number two is this. We think you may be ready to try a gradual return to work. How about that one? <laughs> okay, so let's translate this. We yeah. think you may be ready to try re- gradual return to work. Okay. Translation. We don't want to pay you anymore. <laughs> okay? Yeah, you better you better get up and try yeah. to go back to work or else we're going to cut off your benefits. Now, again, okay, I'm being extreme here. It doesn't mean that in every case they do that. But you know what? In many, many cases they do. And people out there may be listening and saying, yep, it happened to me. Yep, I wasn't ready, but the insurance company said, if I don't even try, well, then they're going to cut off my benefits. Look, here's what the law is. If your doctors say that you are not ready to try a gradual return to work and you feel that you're not ready, then you're not ready then get your doctors to say, you are simply not ready. Get that to the insurance companies. And if they insist on cutting you off or telling you you have to do it, let me know. I will tell you what you need to do to push back, or we will push back on your behalf. But don't put your health in harm's way by doing what the insurance company wants you to do despite medical advice. But again, it's important here, John. We're talking about reading between the lines. We think you may be ready to try a gradual return to work. I, I, you know, when insurance companies say that, I've seen that, by the way, on some of the most extreme circumstances. I've seen it with people who have gone blind uh, and who have had, I mean, jobs where they needed their eyes. I've seen situations where people had neurological issues, memory issues, a whole bunch of other kinds of, you know, degenerative conditions and injuries, by the way, where the insurance company's position that they think you should be able to try gradual return to work. I mean, the doctors that were treating the individuals uh, we're just beside themselves. We're just angry at, at the insurance adjusters. But again, remember, don't be angry with the insurance company. Be smart. You have to understand how to uh, uh, read between the lines. So when they say, we think you may be ready to try gradual return to work, what they're saying is, we are getting ready to potentially cut you off benefits. That should trigger you thinking, okay, what do I do now to counter that if I'm in fact not ready and my doctors agree that I'm not ready? If you are ready, then by all means do it. I am not suggesting in any way, John, that people should be on disability and getting payments, you know, when they're ready to go back to work. In fact, sometimes people are a bit too eager to go back. They'll go back despite medical advice because they really want to go back to work. Very admirable. But again, my suggestion and advice, follow your doctor's recommendations. But again, just remember, anything the adjuster tells you, read between the lines and and be suspicious of what they say. You know, John, I mentioned this before and I think that it's more accurate now than ever with COVID-19. The insurance industry really, they're selling you a product. I, I have I've yet to see an industry where there's such conf, you know conflicting interests. They're selling you a product, which what is that product? Whether it's house insurance or car insurance, travel insurance, mm-hmm. they're selling you peace of mind. And, and the product they're selling you, once they've sold you that, it's in their interest not to pay it. 
Sure. I mean, what industry have you seen, you know, a situation where you are paying for something where it's in the interest of the other side, once you pay for that, not to give you what you bargained for, what yeah. you paid for? It's it's crazy to me, right? It's crazy. It's, it's just crazy as a concept. I am paying you to resist giving me what I've paid you for. Yeah, it's bizarre. Very strange. So, so the important thing is to understand when you when you have insurance, you're not paying for a friend. You are paying for the right to enforce a legal right, and this is what you need to understand when you are reading between the lines when they are telling you something that goes against what your doctors are telling you. I want to squeeze this one in here in the last two minutes of this uh, particular segment, and that is reading between the lies. Number three of the three things that insurers mean when they say this to you. Uh, we know this one, the magic number. Your two years coming up soon. Yeah, two years. Remember, two years or 24 months. You know, They'll use them interchangeably because they are interchangeable. So what does that mean? Again, people who have listened to the show and seen the TV show for a while understand and know this. But for anyone else, let's make sure people are clear. When they say your two years are coming up soon, again, that should trigger something. What does that mean? Right? I mean, they're projecting to you that there is some kind of an end date of some sort to your policy. Sure. And in long-term disability lingo, the two-year mark or the 24-month mark is that uh, uh, invisible line uh, where in your policy, the, the criteria for you to get LTD changes. It becomes a bit more difficult to meet. For the first two years of being on LTD, you have to demonstrate with medical proof or with the support of your whoever's treating you that you cannot do your own occupation or the essential tasks of your own occupation. It's called the own occupation test. Beyond the two-year, and again, this is in the vast majority of LTD policies, the test changes and becomes you cannot do any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So it's not your mm -hmm. own occupation. It's any occupation for which you're suited for. So when your insurance company says to you, your two years are coming up soon, many people, what they hear, well, first of all, many people don't understand what that means. Okay, so two years are coming up, so what? But what follows next is what concerns me because in many instances, the adjusters say, well, it just means that you have to start thinking about going back to work or find another job or something. Yeah. And what happens is that people assume that their policy ends, ends. automatically yeah. at that two-year mark. They don't understand that it doesn't end. It's just that the criteria shifts a bit. And, and, and they can still continue getting LTD if they cannot uh, work in any occupation, if they continue to satisfy that, that other test, right, the more, more onerous test. But many people don't hear that and don't read between the lines. So when they say your two years are coming up soon, the insurance company is saying we're about to cut you off or we're about to figure out how to pressure you to get off claim. And and that's, again, a time when you contact us, again, assuming you cannot go back to any job, uh, to any occupation, and we will tell you what you need to do. Because And the reason why, by the way, I, I, I'm not being smart here. Like, I'm not saying, you know, call me so I can give you this extra information. Every case is, is different. You may have a, a, an illness that's different than this person's injury. You may be a different age. So that's why I can't give everyone you know, right. the same kind of advice when an insurance company tells you your two years are coming up soon. I have to understand what is your circumstance, what your doctors are saying, what the insurance company is exactly saying about your situation, and then I can advise you and my team can advise you what your options are. Going to slide over to some emails for the remainder of the show, so uh, so get on it. You want to uh, you want to get some information? No problem. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. That is the uh, email address. The phone number anytime you like. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And right back at it, Disability Law Show. Savan here to answer your emails and questions for the remainder. As we are uh, every show, that email address to send one in is help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number, uh, not just when we're on the air, but any time you want to leave a message, ask some questions uh, in private, no problem, one 821 and you have something, uh, you know, you're, you want a question, you want some answers as well. You don't want to make a phone call even. That's fine. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is a great resource for you. Leave it there. Um, in fact, you can search ahead of time. Type in your question. There's a database of questions already asked, an archive. It may have already been uh, put there by somebody else and answered in depth. If not, leave it there. The guys will uh, will get back to you very shortly. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Okay. Aisha, first question, first email rather says, uh, guys, my boyfriend was hurt in an accident that happened while he was on break from work about a year ago. He can't use his right arm and leg now, and when he applied for long-term disability, he was rejected because the insurance company said that he should be getting workers' compensation. But he applied for WSIB, was denied. He was very depressed uh, now and doesn't know what to do since he was rejected both by WSIB and his disability. Sure, can you guys help him? Yeah, absolutely, Aisha, and thank you for contacting us. Uh, I'm very sorry with what happened to your boyfriend. John, this is something that happens quite a lot, and it happens uh, everywhere, in Ontario and in BC, where you have a situation where a person is injured on the job or there is an argument that it should be a workers' compensation claim. And, and, you know, the Toronto Star and other other organizations have done extensive uh, um, stories about workers' compensation and how, uh, again, many of those claims are being dealt with unfairly. So I'm not surprised that Aisha's boyfriend here has been rejected by workers' compensation. But but here's the thing, uh, you know, LTD policies generally contain provisions that allow the insurer, the insurance company, to get a deduction for anything workers' compensation pays. And oftentimes, in many cases. Uh, that wipes out for a certain period of time the LTD entitlement. So if you're getting $1,000 a month from LTD and workers' compensation gives you 1000 bucks a month, as an example, well, then one wipes out the other. You get it from workers' compensation for as long as you do. But here's the thing. If workers' compensation denies your claim, your LTD insurer, it's their problem. They, they can't simply say, well, workers' compensation was wrong. You have to appeal that decision. No, you don't. Your obligation was to apply to workers' compensation unless your policy specifically stipulates that you have to appeal, and I haven't seen those, by the way, those kinds of provisions, unless they say that, you don't have to appeal. You simply take that denial from workers' compensation, give it to your LTD insurance company and say, I was rejected, I'm disabled, my doctors say they're disabled, you have to pay me. But instead, what happens is you have individuals falling through the cracks, John. And here you have these two massive entities, this insurance company and workers' compensation, both of which have billions of dollars of money allocated to individuals like Aisha's uh, uh, boyfriend who who is severely injured. And and they're not paying anything. No wonder he's depressed. And, and, you know, the worst thing, the worst thing, John, is, is that as we've done this show for years now, I get contacted literally every week by individuals who are learning about their rights and about the fact that they can actually do something about these denials. And 
the problem is that many of them have been denied long-term disability five years ago, six years ago, ten years ago. I can't do anything. There's a two-year limitation period in Ontario and in BC, meaning that if you were denied or cut off long-term disability more than two years ago initially, Mm -hmm. chances are I can't help you because there is a limitation period in effect here and that bars you from starting a legal claim. So you have to be careful about that. But if you're in a situation, you know, we don't do workers' compensation cases. There is a gentleman that, that we, we refer these kind of cases to. It's yeah. a specialty, right? I mean, we only focus on what we know and we, mm-hmm. we don't do workers' compensation, but we definitely do long-term disability with insurance companies. But if you applied for workers' compensation, you were denied. And your long-term disability insurer continues to deny your claim and say that, no, it should be workers' compensation. doesn't matter that they denied you. You have to go to them. No, you don't. You should be calling us. You should be contacting me directly, and I will make sure that you have the information you need to understand how to go after your insurance company for the money that you're owed. Yeah, just uh, you know, before we break, you should mention as well, you farm out the WSIB portion of it. I get that. But this uh, Aisha's boyfriend was hurt, and it was a work thing. But you guys do deal with the other half of the firm is employment law. Now, those yeah. two go hand in hand. So I want to make sure people can, can contact you for both of those, right? Yeah, that's that's key. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. oftentimes people, when they're disabled uh, and have issues with long-term disability, they also have problems with their insurance, with their uh, employers. You know, employers right. who want to let you go and they're not allowed. By the way, right? I mean, it's illegal in Ontario to fire someone uh, when they're on disability. Uh, you you have to pay out on that, and and in fact, you may be exposed as an employer to human rights damages for doing that. It's against the human rights code. So yeah, we have a, a, we have a dual practice at our firm. At every one of our offices in Ontario and BC, we practice. Our focus is disability claims with long-term disability injury claims, as well as employment law. Those go hand in hand, and and very very important, John, because people yep. often have issues on both sides. Darren, your email is up next. Stand by. Thanks for uh, sending it along uh, just a couple minutes ago. Help at disabilityrights.ca is that email address. The phone number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show, we're right back at it. See if we can get to another email or two with the uh, the remaining time of this hour. As promised, Darren, your email is up next. Thanks, by the way, for sending this uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. Darren says, uh, Savannah, my wife has been seeing a psychotherapist for over a year now because of severe depression and now because of COVID-19. She's even more depressed and hardly gets out of bed. She's a teacher by profession and has always been somewhat of a germaphobe. She was going to apply for long-term disability but was told by colleagues that uh, not to bother because some of them applied and were denied and their union didn't help. Is there something you can do? Yes, Darren, absolutely. And John, I mean, you know, we've helped teachers in the past. I mean, James, my partner, has even had uh, in a high profile case that was reported by Global News several times where the insurance company eventually capitulated, you know, and and, and went back. And and my point is this, whether you're a teacher or not, we can help you if your LTD insurer uh, denies your claim you know, but the the fact is that you can't work, and your doctors, your psychologists, whoever is treating you, psychotherapists, are saying you cannot work. You know, in this case, Darren's wife 
he, he writes that her colleagues told her not to bother applying because some of them applied and were denied and the union didn't help. I want to break this down. You know, a great man once said, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reality is an insurance company's often will play on that. They will play on people's fears, the fear that they are these these huge, humongous entities that they have all this unlimited money and they can, you know, uh, assign 1,500 lawyers to defend, uh, you know, themselves against you. They're not going to do that. I'm telling you again, as someone who used to work for them, and many of my friends are still working for insurance companies, insurance companies hate, hate legal claims. It costs them money. They don't like paying lawyers. It, it's not to say that they'll learn, you know, that they will not defend illegitimate claims because there are people who try to take advantage of the system. But the reality is that if your claim is legitimate, and I can tell you if it is, mm-hmm. I've I've told many people their claims are legitimate, and I've told people that their claims are not legitimate. I mean, I look at every case in a balanced way because it's my reputation, it's my firm's reputation, and insurance companies, by the way, know that they know that if we start a claim, and, and my firm's name is is on that you know legal document. They understand that there is legitimacy here. They understand we're going to go all the way if we need to, to force them to pay what our clients are owed. But I understand Darren's wife's friend's uh, situation here because they're saying, listen, we had claims. The unions didn't help. Well, here's why your union couldn't help. Unions are not in the business of fighting long-term disability claims. In fact, I've had situations, John, where... I've gone back and forth with individuals who got contradicting advice on long-term disability claims between me and their union rep. Uh-huh. And and I had to bite my tongue, but the reality is these union reps were morons. They 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 had nothing, no knowledge whatsoever of the long-term disability process. They didn't understand how insurance companies operate. That's not their job. They were they were doing something that in fact in my in my eyes were harming the individual they were supposed to be helping. Unions are there to help individuals with workplace issues. In the vast majority of cases that I have seen come our way where somebody is unionized, we can help them. Now, to figure out if we can help you if you're a unionized employee, we've got to look at your collective agreement. I'm not going to get into the guts here of why that is, but the point is it'll literally take me a few minutes of looking at your collective agreement to figure out if we as external lawyers who deal with disability claims can help you. But I can tell you, John, in the vast majority of cases, we can can help individuals who are unionized uh, uh, pursue their long-term disability rights and entitlements. So, So, Darren, I can tell you right now, we've helped teachers across Ontario. And and there is absolutely no reason, no reason why your wife should not be getting long-term disability benefits from her insurance company. Usually, it's 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 OTIP that's involved. Um, th- th- this is this is the 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 entity that uh, that uh, um, you know we deal with on on long-term disability claims with teachers in Ontario, and uh, we've resolved many many cases with them. So so please get in touch with me uh, after the show. We will talk. I will give you and your wife the information you need, again, for free. It's not going to cost you anything to get this information. And then you both can decide how you want to proceed. But you got to get this information. Yeah, that's something worth uh, clearing up every every couple shows. Is unlike as you mentioned, we did in the last segment that you guys do employment law. Employment employment law can't breach the union thing, but disability right. law sometimes can. It's it, you can you guys can dive in, often. There, which is good to know, right? Quite often you can. Often, often you're, you're right. Yeah. We employment lawyers. This is just the law in Ontario. We we cannot right. help you with your employment issue. 
if you're unionized. Only your union can help. But when it comes to long-term disability, when we look at the collective agreement, we can figure out if we can help you. And in many, many cases, more cases than not, I would say, we can help you or if you have a loved one, or if you have somebody that, that needs help uh, with their long-term disability denial or cutoff and they're unionized, just give me a call. I'm going to ask you to forward me either the link or, or the actual collective agreement, which you can get yeah. from your union rep, uh, and it'll take me literally a few minutes. It, this is not difficult to figure out if we can help or not. Uh, and if we can help, trust me, you want us to help you, not your union when it comes to long-term disability. We got to fly out of here in a minute, but uh, final thoughts. And I know people are still wondering how uh, you know COVID nineteen is still continuing relates to their uh, disability coverage. What should they do? COVID nineteen, John, is 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 here to stay. I think for a while until we have a vaccine. It's yeah. taking a huge mental toll on people. I want people to understand you're not alone. I'm not just talking about myself. I mean, everyone is in here together. I'm seeing commercials from banks and and from dealerships, car dealerships, and all. Everybody's trying to pull together. The only entities that I see commercials and I laugh when I see them are insurance companies who say, we're here for you during these difficult times. I don't buy it. They're not here for you. You need to make sure you're on guard when you're dealing with an insurance company and you need to make sure you know your rights because insurance companies, again, have one motive and that is the primary motive that that uh, uh, makes them operate, and that is to make a profit. And the only way they make a profit, or one of the many ways they make a profit, uh, is unfortunately not paying you what you are owed. So as long as you know how to fight back against that, or at least you know where to go for information on how to fight back, uh, then you're in a much better position. So stay strong, uh, don't give up, and give us a call if you have any questions about your disability claims. Brilliant. Done for another week. Reaching out now that we are uh, through and going to get out of here. For, uh, pardon me, 1-855-821-5900. 1-855-821-5900 is the number you can email uh, that we pull from. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Just disabilityrights.ca is the website. There you can catch past radio shows and links to our TV show as well. So make sure you check those out when you got some time. And as always, mydisabilityquestions.com is up and available for you as well. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.